Bandwidth for Erotic Awakening is provided by The Kink Shop. TheKinkShop.com. Canes, fire, play, transgender, and lifestyle, whips and tails, flogger, stitching. TheKinkShop.com. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. You sound very domly the way you do that now. <laughs> do I? Yes. Now. Now. <laughs> so, Don, hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Welcome to episode 262. Coming up in this episode, uh, we've titled it here, Extreme Scenes, Strange Scenes, Weird Scenes, Impactful Scenes. Mm. We're going to talk about a couple scenes that uh, you and I have had that have been uh, beyond just the average sort of pick up a flogger and swing it. Yes. And then later we will be uh, showing an episode, a uh, interview, an interview mm-hmm. with uh, Tiffy, who yeah. had one had. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, the most extreme scene I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Now that you've said that, I wish I'd peeked around the corner and taken a look. <laughs> and it's and and this is the same, <clears throat> excuse me, the same event that we just saw, somebody doing a full body hook suspension. Yes. Blood streaming off their body. Yes. More but extreme than the than the pain boy. More extreme than the pain boy, which we'll talk wow. about too. So more extreme than those, and okay. the reason, and it's more impactful. Oh, absolutely. More impactful, not necessarily more extreme. And you think extreme, I think about railroad ties through the scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> this is just more. Wow. I'll never think about that again. <laughs> but, so yeah, so I wish I'd taken a peek, but uh, as you'll hear on the interview, I did. I could hear. A lot of what was going on. It was camp, and it was very loud. Yes. And we'll get there in just a moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have plenty of disclaimers before we play that yes. audio clip. Yes. Um, also, we our face our Facebook of the day. No, <laughs> our question of the day via Facebook is about polyamory. Mm-hmm. And also today, the big announcement. The What's, big announcement. What are we doing next? I don't know, dun, but dun, I had dun. people at Monkey Puzzle Club last night going. Are you going to give me more hints? Are you, are you going to actually announce it yet? What the fuck are you doing? Well, <laughs> we'll be doing the actual announcements. Matter of fact, um, let's go ahead and plug that in right here. So, Don, we are joined in studio by the mythical, mystical Karen, who many people say doesn't exist. Uh-huh. It's just a figment of my imagination, but I am currently holding her coffee and drinking no. it. No! It's super hot. No! <laughs> no! But I thought we were Polly. Doesn't that mean I get to drink your coffee? Yes, but not the first cup when I haven't had a sip. <laughs> so, uh, we've been hinting at the next big thing, and it's so big we had to bring in help. So, Karen has joined us for this next big project. And at Monkey Puzzle Club, they're going, when are you going to tell us? (laughs) So that would be now. So Karen, what is it we're doing? Well, we are doing a poly event. 
which is super exciting, called Beyond the Love, Poly Summit 2013. Yes, we said 2013. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we roll like that. So November 15th, 16th, and 17th here in Columbus. Um, Don, do you want to say a little bit more about sure. it? Sure. So um, we actually have a lot of stuff put together, and um, we noticed that around the country there wasn't anything like what we were looking for, so we decided to create it. Go figure. So it's a weekend of um, classes and workshops, and we've got a, um, a cool little game show planned. Absolutely. And, uh, the thing, um, summits and uh, the coffee shop and a polyprom and you know just all kinds of neat, fun social stuff. And the, I guess the thing I'm looking forward to the most is the uh, poly speed dating. The uh, <laughs> official poly speed dating. This yes. isn't something you and yes. I hacked together. No. This is, we reached out to the person. Uh, the peppermint. Peppermint. peppermint and, mm-hmm. and the actual poly speed dating system that they have. And mm-hmm. we've hired them and they're going to assist us in um, some computer-generated assistance in helping us find poly dates or something. Exactly, exactly. So we're in the process of lining up presenters. We do have a few and a couple of vendors. We're going to have vendors and the silent auction for all kinds of neat stuff. And yay. Absolutely. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Fantastic venue that we have it as well. Mm-hmm. The uh, idea of simply having a place for people that identify as polyamorous can get together, socialize for a couple of days, reasonable cost. You know, it's not a big money drop. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you could go. Hell, we used to play more, pay more to go play Nero for two days and we beat did. each other with fake foam buffers. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun, and you know, I think I I like this opportunity of people just having a chance to have fun, be social. You know, the workshops are going to be about communication and how to deal with jealousy and, you know, the this, this single polyamory. We've got someone coming in talking about that and that whole concept because um, that think, still blows my mind. I think one of the things that will make it special, too, from other events we've been at is we're much following some other event formats that you have done. We'll have the little summits within the summit where you'll be able to come in and kind of name your own topic if you don't see a class mm-hmm. that interests you or that you want to talk more about or different relationship structures. So we plan to have those throughout the weekend as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And national reaching presenters. So world class. So looking forward to that because that's how we roll. And I promise if you buy a ticket now, you'll never hear her say that again. (laughs) So head on over to beyondthelove.org. Register now. Be one of the new fresh brand new get a room while we still have them mm-hmm. uh, we just have our first couple of presenters on the sheets now a couple more that we're talking to if you are running around in the polyamory circles these are going to be names that you've heard people you know mm-hmm. and hopefully a lot of people that maybe you haven't heard of maybe not we're not focused on only bringing you the same four or five presenters that you've seen over and over again True. or that you keep hearing from uh, we're very fortunate, the three of us, we get to run around a lot and do a lot of events and we get to hear a lot of people that you may not know of. So uh, looking forward to that as well. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Karen, have you lost a sleep over being a, an event producer yet? Uh, yes. yes. It's been more from excitement than from anything else. So. Uh, that, that'll change as we're at the four, three, two, one stage, trust me. <laughs> So as we are sitting here and Karen's gone home 
and the cat's attacking the dog, and the dog's attacking the cat. I, say, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> Speaking of polyamory, I don't think our pets are polyamorous. Really? No, they hate each other. They hate everybody. I don't know about that. I think they sneakily like each other. And I noticed you called her a dog instead of a puppy this morning. Yeah, when she's you, getting bigger. No, it's just <laughs> she bit me in my privates and a damn dog. <laughs> Our question of the day, though, is related to polyamory, um, and a very simple question. I thought mm-hmm. it came via the Facebook, right? Yes. And the question is, can anyone be poly, and how do you know? I just thought that was a really simple question. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately. I think my answer is simple, but I'm going to draw it out. <laughs> Why don't you start but, then? You sure? Okay. Uh, yes, gonna... because I'm still wrapping my head around some thoughts on that. So go ahead. Okay. So, you know, the basic question is, can anyone be poly? Well, no, these are two separate questions. Ha-ha. Can anyone be poly and how do you know? Um, can Absolutely anyone... two separate questions. Absolutely two separate questions. Can anyone be poly? For me... My thinking is, is that kind of like power exchange for me, poly is a way you're wired. Okay. So that's the way I'm thinking. I think some people are wired that way. I think some people are not wired that way. I think some people are wired monogamous. And I think there is a layer of society's expectations in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think you can be wired one way or the other. I don't think you can force it. If you're not wired that way, mm-hmm. but you have to get through the societal layers of expectations before you, before you can figure out what your wiring is. I wonder if this is a fair equation to say, can anyone be gay? Can I True. be gay? Why, yes, I can. I can go find a boyfriend mm-hmm. and we could do all kinds of interesting things. Mm-hmm. Allow me a moment to picture and moving on. <laughs> Does that make me gay? Uh, I guess it does definition-wise, but uh, the better question is, is is it my natural mm, inclination, mm-hmm. right? right? Is it, and like you said, is it the way we're wired? <clears throat> is it my natural state of being? Right. Can anyone be poly? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not going to, I have no answer for that. Can anyone act poly? Why, yes, yes. You could be in a relationship, of more, a loving relationship with more than one I think, you know, there's a difference between being gay and having gay sex. Right. There's a difference between being poly and having multiple partners that you tolerate. Oh, golly, I guess we got... So, that's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. So, but can anyone be poly? But like you said, you kind of nailed it. People can live poly. Mm-hmm. But are you really poly unless it fills your heart right right you know so could i live poly well absolutely you know um but i also don't think there would be as many support groups as there are if people just did it naturally you know i oh you mean does that make sense yes i um i think some people i disagree with that because there's the reason there's so many support groups is because people are trying to do it naturally but we have such a huge tremendous uh, backlash by society saying mm-hmm. this is wrong. Right. You should be jealous. You should be possessive. So it's the support groups are trying to help you determine if you really should be jealous. If you will, if there's any value in being possessive, mm-hmm. or what is the right choice for you. 
So, and some people are just, oh, I'm trying to think, because I've got a couple of friends that I would say are monogamous. Mm -hmm. It would surprise the hell out of me if they ever tried to be poly. It is just so against their nature. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, ooh, never say never. You know, <laughs> right. I, there's been a couple of times when I've gone, oh, I could never see that. And then, poof, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's working out very well. But now I do have a couple of friends that I just, they're not interested in it. They have their one and only. They're okay with being serial monogamous if what they're working in does not work. That they're, they're fine with moving on. Um, they're not interested in the energy that it takes or the schedule manipulation or or working through anything that could come up. They're, they're just not interested in all of that. So I think there are some people that are wired monogamous. And we've had we've done that on the podcast a few times, uh, mm-hmm. power exchange and monogamy. And mm-hmm. uh, both, if we go into the Wayback Machine, uh, J and B, <laughs> and then later... Uh, L and W? Did L and W do that? Oh, yes, L and W... But it's W and L, and w it's not and W at all. It's La Machete, El Machete. <gasps> El Machete. Yes. Oh, I need to write <clears throat> El Machete. <laughs> Feel free. Uh, speaking of which, we need to go present for them guys up in the Detroit area yes. one day where we're actually available on a Tuesday. I am writing notes. I am writing notes. Um, so, getting away from can anybody be monogamous? Or poly. Or poly. Could, either well, one's true, right? flip it. Yeah, flip it. Can anyone it. be monogamous? Like if how many people? Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you are wired poly, can you make yourself monogamous and be happy? And be happy. So how do you know? How do I know? Well, for me, and anybody that knows me knows. Is that I've a song had, by Whitney Houston? What? How do I know? I don't know. I didn't huh. like Whitney Houston. <laughs> That's not nice. She's dead now. I'm sorry. Well, I don't like a lot of people that are dead. <laughs> I did not say that. Um, Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, Anybody that knows me knows that I've had struggles working on my emotions and getting through my societal baggage and blah, 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 working on Polly. But I know that I'm Polly because of certain things that have happened. Okay. Or certain feelings that have happened. When I was in high school, I was dating this guy and... We didn't go to the same high school together. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to a different high school. And I knew he was seeing other girls, mm-hmm. right? And part of me didn't care. I mean, I cared, but it wasn't such a big deal until my friend said, oh, I saw him with so-and-so. Did you know he was with so-and-so at this diner? And I'd be like, cool, what'd she look like? <laughs> you know? And I would ask him about it, and I wouldn't get upset about it until my friends told me I needed to be upset. (laughs) You know? And then I felt weird. Well, maybe I don't love him because I'm not getting so upset about it. I'm supposed to be upset. You know, I'm supposed to be attacking him. I'm supposed to be asking the questions. And instead, I was asking the questions of, where'd you meet her? What's she like? You know? And things like that. And if I'd have been allowed to just feel that and be okay with that, our relationship would have been much easier. But I had other people poking me, telling me I'm supposed hmm. to be feeling a certain way. or And I was madly in love. You know who I'm talking about. Sure, sure. I was madly in love with him. I mean, I dated him for, what, a year and a half. And it ended up breaking up 
because he was seeing other people and then felt like he had to lie about it. Right. So it was the lies that ended up breaking us up, not the poly. You know, I don't know how you answer the question, how do I know? I do know. So ask this question instead. Can I feel romantic love for more than one person at a time? Mm -hmm. Well, that means that you are capable of being poly. Right. How do you know if you're poly-wired? Do you feel romantic love for more than one person at a time? Is it right for you is a separate question altogether. Right. Are you willing to pay the price for being polyamorous? Right. Similar to paying a price for being monogamous, right? Mm -hmm. Price being monogamous, top of my head, is um, you only get to uh, share romantic love with one person. Mm -hmm. That's about sex. Right. Swinging is a separate little dealio. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cost for polyamorous love is there's additional relationship negotiation that has to be done. Um, Which is why we do events like Beyond the Love for people that are trying to learn these skills. So I think that's enough on the question of the day. The short version of all that, fuck if we know. You know, go find out for yourself. Go find out for yourself. Listen to your heart, as they say. I'm sure we used to, Houston has a song called that. Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on from the whole polyamory thing and talk instead about the fact that uh, Bungie from... Bungie. 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 Bungie from Facebook. The Facebook likes us, as does Muro Omega. I thought it... I don't know who that is. I tried to look up their profile and couldn't really find anything. But Bungie... We've heard from Bungie before. Oh, yeah. He had to school me on, on naval things, yes. being that we were both naval pups. Yes. So I just thought that was really interesting. So, and we do have some new subscribers, and there was a surprise on this one, too. Wait till you see it. Oh, no, no. She, I talked, I had lunch with her the other day. <laughs> I find it surprising that people we know are just getting on our, our email we're list. We're all, all kinds of international aspect today, aren't we? We are. So, cool. So, new subscribers to our mailing list, and our mailing list... <laughs> It's supposed to go out once a month. I've been holding off on June's because of the announcement. Yes, and you can go to eroticawakening.com and you'll find a little icon to yes. join the mailing list if that is your pleasure. Yes, so we have Lynchy. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> Lynchy from the UK. Little cool. Look, oh, a little curious. Look. Oh, a little curious. <laughs> <laughs> from Ontario. Kelly Lynn from Georgia. Bunny from Missouri. Missouri. Mo. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> Mark from Pennsylvania. Master Sherry from Ohio, who I did have lunch with the other day. Awesome. Dinner. And Lori from Ohio. I don't know if we know that Lori or not. So, awesome. And I'd like to say that Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part oh, by Smitten Kitten. Oh, you got Smitten it in there Kitten. first. Look <laughs> at you. Smitten Kitten is your online resource and personal guide to all things sex-related. They offer over 3,000 unique products and have served the sex-positive community for over 10 years. From yeah, electric one. zappers to enemas. Oh, you'll find it all at smittenkittenonline.com. Enema kits, not an actual Well, enema. true. Yes. <laughs> but I figured out something for E. <laughs> you did. That's good. Um, I've only you can had d- four hours of sleep, but I don't think it's coming through. <laughs> so, Don, we have this new voicemail thingy, and our voicemail phone number Ooh. is 614-414-2072. And we got a fantastically... Um, doubly long? Doubly long voicemail. Apparently our voicemail system only goes three minutes. And they wanted to, they were not done talking yet. So it was a fantastic voicemail that we got. And uh, did you write down this person's name? They- Pink Whip. Okay, Pink Whip. And they did a... Uh, the, so 
two things that I recall, and then I'll let you talk about it. One, mm-hmm. they, the part of the show they like is not where we have topics, but where we just blather to each yes. other. It's always dangerous when I hear somebody say that because it's like, <laughs> well, fuck it. We want, we'll just fucking turn on the microphone and say, what do you want for dinner, honey? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. Coffee's uh, really good. Uh, coffee. Coffee and blowjobs. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> that would be a long-lasting podcast there. It would. Uh, but the other thing was about little Miss Ginger. Yes. Yeah, so our new puppy. And um, she was telling us that... Um, I had mentioned that one of the um, things we're trying to, she's going to be a small dog. She's Pekingese and Corgi. So she's going to be a small dog. We want to make sure she doesn't get small dog syndrome where she thinks she owns the house. We have friends that have dogs with this and, and it's just excruciating to go over to their house. The, the dogs are uncontrollable. So since we travel and things like that, we need her to be um, in control. So we're looking up all this research and um, basically, the research that we're finding says to dominate your dog. And it gives like 11 ways of doing that. And we talked about how you could dominate your slave, dominate your dog. Right, same stuff. right. Same stuff. Well, we were actually finding it a little traumatic to follow some of these rules, <laughs> you, you know? You and Karen were finding it traumatic. We were traumatic. finding it traumatic. I found traumatic, it quite natural. Traumatic, yeah, I know. I would have <laughs> find, but next time you give me lip, I'm going to pick you up in the air and hold your paws up and say, no, <laughs> no. We're throwing you on my back. And rub your belly? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but we were finding it traumatic because it was not helping. It was not stopping things. And and so a pink whip wrote us and said, you know, you guys actually have a spiritual base. So maybe this other camp of thinking with your dog would um, be something to think about. And that, that whole dominating your pup thing comes from a old wolf study. And that when she did that um, sort of training, she was very unhappy. And so she started following this other camp. And basically, this other camp is about benevolent leadership. And to be one with your puppy and, you know, and guide it (laughs) instead of trying to dominate it. And it was really neat because I listened to that and I started doing that with the puppy and it just made me happier. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of trying to dominate, because I'm not a dominant. It doesn't work naturally for me. You know, it's like I put up with it, put up with it, and then I'm yelling in her face because she bit my hip. <laughs> so 20 minutes ago. 20 minutes, yeah. So um, that whole. So her view of the things was there's yeah. a way to be more just compassionate, she recommended. Yes. Now, are these actual books, these notes here, Other Those End of the Leash? Those two are actual books. Okay. Other End of the Leash which is supposed to go into the benevolent leadership thing, mm-hmm. which I, I could, you know, I could... My whole attitude with the puppy changed. Everything was, I'm in charge, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. Listen to me, listen to me. Uh-oh, you're being obstinate, obviously. You're not being submissive, therefore I'm going to dominate you some more. And then once it switched to benevolent leadership, it's like, oh, look at the puppy. <laughs> distract, distract, distract. Oh, look, that works. Yay. <laughs> So, unfortunately, podcast listeners, if you're here for the sex, you're going to get puppy updates along the way as well. So we'll check out other end of the leash and when pigs when fly, pigs I think fly, is the other one. Yeah, it's for obstinate dogs that won't but listen. Thank you very much, Pink Whip, for that yes. uh, that call in and sharing your uh, thoughts on both the podcast and uh, puppy uh, raising ship. Yes, raising ship or something and, like that. And uh, if you're not going to be on the love, if you could 
uh, puppy sit for us. That'd be Ooh. fantastic. Oh, we do have to figure that out, don't we? Though I did find the voicemail interesting because there was one long first voicemail, one second long voicemail, and then at the at the beginning of the second one, she goes, see, that's why I want the voicemail because I just ramble, ramble, ramble. Well, then at the end of that second voicemail, it says, but the thing that I love most about your show is yeah. click. <laughs> and then it cut And off. I'm waiting for the third voicemail and there wasn't one. So quite the tease, the pink whip. <laughs> so let's talk about one of those scenes. Here we are, 19 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I, uh, the first thing that comes, so we're talking about scenes that are impactful. or yes. ex- uh, See, I don't really want to use the word extreme, because to me, an extreme scene is a hook pull. Right. It's, it's, uh, a rail- it's a railroad tie through the, the scrotum. scrotum. <laughs> Uh, these are more impactful scenes, yeah. scenes that are outside the bounds of normal BDSM. Mm-hmm. And considering how extreme BDSM can be, that's a pretty big thing. Yes. Um, but scenes that just you carry with you for longer, mm-hmm. you know, and not because of the great bruises. And th- because the funny thing is, a lot of the play scenes... You don't really carry with you. Years later, you don't talk about the great spanking you got from... Well, you do. Yeah, sometimes maybe, I maybe do. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. You know, and sometimes there's like, ooh, that great staple scene you right. know, that I had with so-and-so. That really pushed my boundaries. With master so-and-so or just... No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> just was, I was going to say, I don't recall that. I didn't want to say his name, so... <laughs> it was a long time ago. So I had an mm-hmm. L.A. party. And... um. I bought him on the auction block just so I could have that scene. But, um, you know, there's some things like that. There's some scenes I remember that, that are, um, you know, pretty, pretty powerful like but, that. But the scenes we're talking about today will be more mm-hmm. long. And the first one that comes to mind of this genre to me, mm-hmm. very simple sort of thing. It wasn't very complex, but it was very different. We had, this was back in um, many years ago at Dark Odyssey <laughs> Summer Camp. Yes. I think it was our... First time at Bramblewood, maybe our second, I can't recall. In one of the main big dungeons, in the very back, there was these mats. You still don't remember this scene. I and on do. the mats, one of the things that we did was, you know, it's not uncommon for the, the uh, bottom to be blindfolded. Oh, yeah. But on this scene, we were both blindfolded. Yes. And we played. There was roses involved. There was roses. There was some some toys, but they're very short range toys. Right. And it was a lot of uh, blind exploring, growly. Because you had a blindfold on. I had. We were down on our knees on the wrestling mat. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a very different kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a lot of intimacy but it also because it, it because we're both wearing blindfolds it put a different perspective on the whole thing absolutely absolutely so that is a simple one that would be on the odd meter yeah absolutely yeah. impactful is the word yes like. impactful or the one where you were naked while you were topping me the first time i i stripped now normally right. you see the bottom strip right right but by me stripping it just changed the dynamic and it's I've seen a few tops naked at this Do point when they, when then, they but top, but it does, it changes the dynamic and it makes the whole scene have this tilt mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. Uh, another one that comes to mind, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, and this is for a little more recent, you and I were looking for 
uh, you, we were at Kinky College, where we mm-hmm. go quite often in Chicago. And it was the busy nights part of the dungeon. So as you can imagine, if you've never been to a dungeon, there's this big old conference room, all the tables and chairs taken out, and all this dungeon equipment, spanking benches, St. Andrew's crosses spread out around the walls of the room. Right. Primarily around the walls of the room, right? So we couldn't find anything to play on, <laughs> but there was this one weirdo little device in the kind of semi-middle of the room, so we're kind of setting up around it, because we wanted to play, but didn't really, oh, what the hell is this equipment? Right. And I put, uh, I was going to rope you up, so I uh, put a, a rope binding on one of your wrists, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, I was drawn to put, and this is after all the toys are out. Right. The other side of the rope binding on my wrist. Mm-hmm. So if you can picture this kind of, uh, what was the Michael Jackson video? Oh. Bad, right? Bad or, it was, yeah. It was bad where okay. they both do the knife fight oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 the gang. And, so yeah. they both are holding on to one end of this. Mm-hmm. So we were both on the end tied to each other. Right. And from there, uh, I don't know what it was, the music or whatever. It was half dance as I drug you around and moved you around via our mutual connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would grab toys as we spun and moved. And it wasn't like we were spinning in a circle. It no. was it was more dance-like. Yeah. Became very intense, very energetic. And the, it's So here's one of the, the aspects of these intimate scenes is the rest of the room fades out. Mm-hmm. And we had, at this point, a audience mm-hmm. of a small group of people that said, whoa, this is something weird. Yeah. Um, I get to close my eyes on that part so I don't have right. to watch everybody watching. <laughs> and it's a tricky scene perhaps to describe, but instead of using any furniture, we used each other's. And I would grab yes. you and I'd use that rope to pull you to me. Mm-hmm. And then I would push you away so you would be dangling at the end of the rope. As we danced around in our energy in this circle, very woo sort of scene. Yes. Uh, so that one struck me. That's one of those scenes that, very impactful, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not something you can, it's creative. It's not something you can say, oh, let's go do a weird dancing energy scene in the middle of the room and I'll right. grab toys as we spin in a circle and mack you around. Right. Though we have set up like ritual space in the middle of a dungeon before where sure. we've marked out our space with rope and set up, you know, the cardinal direction elements at, you know, at each point and stuff like that. But that's, that is a little planned out and not always as impactful as like what you were just describing. That now, was a fabulous scene. Some of those planned out scenes are pretty effective too. <laughs> they I want, are. We'll talk about that in just a moment. First, okay, I'm, I'm itching for that one. <laughs> I want to say, Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's Kinky Fun Group. The AIS Rough Body Play Intensive is coming ja- Saturday, July 20th, 2013. All Rough Body Play Workshop, 10 a.m. Then, the Princeton Club. The big party after, 8 p.m. Find out more at adventuresandsexuality.org. Yay. I got to watch them present last night. Did you? Uh-huh. Barak and Sheba. They were presenting on a role play. It was really interesting. You should have seen Sandow with a... Um, oh, I wasn't supposed to take pictures, but I think I can mention it. So Sandow with a tiara on. <laughs> he was a good sport with, with that workshop. <laughs> Um, good. good. Did you know that we still have less ratings than the Sandow and a Tierra podcast? <gasps> we do. But you can fix that. Oh, podcast listeners. <laughs> you can rate us on iTunes. 
Or you could just tweet about us, lick us on Facebook, and please tell, tell your, your friends. Tell your friends. Yay. Mm-hmm. Do you know uh, Amber the Rope Slut had a moment yesterday morning? How's that? <laughs> she texted me, and she was listening to the podcast in her office and hadn't realized that the headphones had popped out. <laughs> <laughs> so we started, we were, we were just doing the intro and she figured it out though, That's but we good. were getting to the whole erotic awakening. Hey, I have done that at work. <laughs> I feel for you. Cause I'll be like setting up my podcast for what am I going to listen to on the way home uh-huh. and sitting, staying at the printer and all of a sudden, um, <laughs> so Don, how do you like being fucked while you're blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I'll be looking around like, whoa, whoa, fuck, I must have tuned into Opie and Anthony or something. What the fuck was that? Uh, Before we get back to our weird scenes, really quickly, do want to mention, uh, you can contact us via Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. The Got Comment form on the webpage. Facebook, one word, Erotic Awakening. FetLife, Erotic Awakening, two words. Blah, blah, blah. New voicemail, 614-414-2072. Call now. Don't delay. forward to the voicemail. Blah, blah, blah. I miss getting voicemail. That's kind of neat because we get to hear our listeners' voices. Sometimes they use the comment form, though. Mm-hmm. Like Ravenheart, who yes. says that he is a Western mystery-style pagan, Kabbalist in Kiddushtu, and so he is rather skeptical about this whole Christian DS thing. Now, mm-hmm. we had, at Power Exchange Summit, we had uh, Bridget come down and talk about Christian DS. Mm-hmm. No, we did not. Mm-mm, I lie. Not. Bridget was the 1950s. Night Swan was Night Christian Swan DS. Night Swan was, yes. yes. And so he pointed out there's a um, a Christian DS or slave lifestyle saying it's rights God right of God God's right to discipline your household is via Christian DS and I've heard some of people yes. of that been saying that so there's an article about the in the Huffington Post spanking Jesus what <laughs> and it links to the Christian discipline uh, website uh, he does note that there's articles. Uh, the two sites seem to be kind of a beginner DS site, not so much Christian orientated. He posts these ones out as well. Yeah, uh, interesting was, stuff. We'll have to yeah, look dig into that. He was more asking, more. Um, "Is this really real?" Sort of thing. Yeah. So you know, and, and in general, Christian power exchange, domestic discipline is what's most commonly called, mm-hmm. is absolutely real. Yes. Um, so, so thanks for sending that along, Ravenheart. We'll poke into that a little bit more. I love the fact that. Although you are a Western mystery-style pagan Kabbalist in Kiddushtu wanna... uh, and a bit skeptical, you're still want to check that out. Do we know Ravenheart I as a Kiddushtu? Know. I don't know. Okay. I want to reach out to them and, and, and see because, you know, there's a lot of Kiddushtu so. across the country and some we know and some we don't. The, the name is diggling my brain. Uh, diggling should... your brain? <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> that brings to mind yes. involves ears. And before Sorry. we get back to our um, uh, extreme scenes, or uh, really quickly, Goliath from FET sent you a fantastic glass tentacle dildo. Yes. Very good link, looking. Link to a dildo. <laughs> a link to a dildo. <laughs> Your birthday's coming up. You should remind me of that. That's a very cute and it very is. handsome dildo. I think our anniversary is coming before my birthday again. I just had a birthday. Great. I'll remind you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll order it for you and wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> Put it on my pillow. <laughs> hey, I like this plan. Hey, honey, what I get you for your birthday? Oh, that's great of me. Yay! I, you know, light what the, the candle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that the more important part is that I drive it, not buy it. Yes, exactly. So. And uh, Bixie and Griffin sent me the number ten on the foods on boob. Nice. Uh, 
Yeah, that is nice. It is. And we have a shout out to Andy and Sue. So they were driving through town Monday morning and on their way back from one place to Canada. And we ended up having breakfast with them. 6.30 in the a.m. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's so weird that they find that to be a normal thing. To be driving from Atlanta mm-hmm. to... Ottawa. Ottawa. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just driving from Atlanta to Ottawa. It's like, but that's a fucking two-day trip. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, whatever. We'll stop by Columbus on the way. Yeah. Have breakfast with you guys. Yeah, they drive. They do that all the time. And, and Columbus is, like, not on the real route. They still had to make a... I was wondering why. <laughs> so sudden struck me, and I got to write to Sue about this. As we were leaving, I gave her a nice goodbye kiss, and she uh-huh. said this kind of random thank you. Huh. I don't know if it was for the kiss or for breakfast or... I don't know. Maybe I said something that was appropriately awesome. Insightful? In insight coffee? <laughs> right. I don't remember. It was just some bullshit that spewed out of my mouth. And for her, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to go self pleasure to that insightful bullshit. Ooh, so I'll have to ask her what the thank you was for. And thank you, uh, Bixie and Griffin, for that very artsy number awesome. 10. And we'll be seeing Andy and Sue more often because I'm having them come back to Columbus at the room and they're going to be doing a day-long workshop based on stuff that they were doing at PXS. So we're going to bring them back. And then we're going up their way next February, I guess, and and doing a day-long at their place, probably on Power Exchange. So, yay. So there was this one time where... Uh Uh-oh. I actually went through the effort of getting an entire, and I won't say an entire, but prior to one of the AIS big parties, mm-hmm. you know, the 300-person party, mm-hmm. I reached out to uh, about a dozen people before that, and I said, I want your help with a scene yeah. of something we're going to do to Dawn. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell the story, the first half of the story the first half of the story yes so well or do you want to tell the second half of the story i don't know which one you like uh, your perception your perspective i don't know let me start with an intro and then maybe you pop in okay okay so because what this is is um for uh, most of you you guys know that i'm pagan right so some people would say that's I like the way you said right, like you're expecting them to respond. Yeah, right. So, yeah, you know, some people on the other end. Yeah, no, okay. So, and some people would call that a witch, and some people would call that whatever, other labels. And we had friends out in um, Austin where we were presenting, and they were going to have a witch hunt. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, are you, are you, you can't do that. Do you know how many of us got burnt at the stake? <laughs> you can't make fun of that or make light of that. You were quite the indignant person back then. I was very indignant about that. And, you know, and then the second year we were out there, they were talking about it again and how fun it had been the previous year. And I'm like, no, 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 you, you can't do that, can you? And then the third time I heard about it, I'm like, okay, I have processed this and it has now been, been, I, this is hot. Uh, Can we eroticized? Yes, eroticized. <laughs> so I'm like, this is hot. I've made it hot, and we kind of like flew out specifically to participate in that. Mm-hmm. So, and what they did was they marked random people, and then when you wanted to be caught, you kind of like flashed your mark so that people could yell at you that you're a witch and blah blah blah. And then you're brought before the judge, and you know. So, well, we did that, and. It wasn't as great of an experience as I had hoped it would be. Probably because people didn't know me or I was a presenter or... Get to the good part. Who knows what. So, now we're back in Columbus, right? And it's later. And I bring your lunch to you at work one day. And you pull me through the truck window, just my head. And kiss me and say, 
the scene has begun. A month before the scene. Yes. And of course, over the rest of the month, I continue to drop little hints here and there. Matter of fact, I forbid you to go from to certain FetLife groups where I was talking about setting this scene up. Mm-hmm. I actually reached out to some other people and I said, "Here, when you hear this, or when you see this certain thing, you're going to do this certain thing, and then this thing will happen." Right. So uh, I got a bunch of preparation. So, and I'll let you pick it up from at the point that we're going to have the scene. I go in. You don't know who's involved, how many people, if anyone. I don't even know what's going on because when we get to the event, I've got people coming up to me saying, you've been bad. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been bad? What the hell did I do? I don't know. <laughs> but I know something's going on yeah. because you told me to stay off the attendee list and things like that. And you know, and I would tell people, you know, Dan won't let me on the attendee list. And other people would go, well, why don't you just join and peek? And I'm like... Well, that would take the fun out of it. You know, I don't want that sort of preparation. So so we get there, and then we're um, in the dungeon. And, um, you know, our scene kind of starts pretty normal for us. Sure. Some of our scenes. You know, you you have me stripped, and you've got me on the table, and it's very sensual, but energetic. And, you know, it's getting very deep and and like that. Nice warm-up. Yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. Well, then you stand me up off the table and my brain I'm already in subspace and you know kind of woozy and and my glasses are off so I really can't see too well and you look across the dungeon and you point to a piece of furniture it's like a crossbeam or yeah. something and you're like could you run to that and I'm looking at it I'm like yeah I think I can run to that he and goes, this is because you don't have your glasses on. right right you're like can you see it I'm like yeah I can see it I'm like okay and then you put me back up on the table and then a little bit more energy play, a little bit more caning or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, we were doing something like that. And so it totally left my head. Well, then you pulled me up again. And you stood me there. And you said, if I were you, I would run. Yes. And, and at I, that point, I take a step back and I point at you and I shouted. A witch! A witch! And I'm like in subspace. I'm kind of teetering and swaying a little bit. And then you looked at me again and very intense and said, and if I were you, I would run. And then throughout the dungeon, Mm -hmm. people are shouting, a witch! A witch! And it struck me that people were coming after me. Charging after me. Charging after me. So here I am naked. I take off running for that crossbeam because I think it's in my head. If I can make it to the crossbeam without anybody getting me, I'm safe. No, <laughs> it did not work like no. that. For one, I'm trying to make it across the dungeon to a cross beam where there's like 10 or 12 people intent on bringing me down. So, you know, it was actually scary for me because I'm not used to other people participating in that. I'm not used to it being something like where they really want to grab me and take me down. And right. it's not like a ha 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 thing. It's a, we're going to grab the witch, we're going to take her down. And that was the energy that was given off. And, you know, I, so I'm running, people are tackling me, you know, I'm down on my knees. I get up and start running again. You know, this chubby chick can run when she's scared. <laughs> and so they had to chase me down again. And one of the girls actually picked me up and like did a wrestling move on me where she picked me up and then had me flat on my back, uh-huh. you know, and I'm scrambling and running again. I'm kicking, I'm screaming. Somebody tickled my feet and I had just enough brain power to go, Oh 
Dan didn't tell them my red list. Because <laughs> tickling is on my hard limit list. But, you know, that just pissed me off and made me angry. So I started kicking. And, you know, I really tapped into that anger and wanting to get away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just don't usually do that during a scene. But then I opened my eyes just a little bit. And I saw people I recognized. And I saw them with smiles on their faces. So that kind of went, okay, they're not really angry at me. Th- this energy, okay. And then... I gave myself permission to keep tapping into my anger, though, Mm -hmm. and my wanting to get away. And that was really powerful because when you and I scene like that, I'm not allowed to fight back. You know, when you do a Mm -hmm. takedown scene with me, I don't usually fight back. That's part of my surrender Mm -hmm. and, and what makes our scene so powerful. So the whole fighting back with this one was very empowering as well. And, um, so, so I've got people fighting me trying to keep me down i'm sure i had rug burn (laughs) like crazy on that one but then at one point i stood back up and i went to run and somebody tall wrapped their arms around me and kept me from running and had my back into their chest Mm -hmm. and then it got quiet so while all this is going on i run Mm -hmm. off to the restroom and i change and i put on my black under armor and my black pants and got black makeup right and it's not uh, like dark face. Right. It's black. It's, right. you know, like black ink. It's black, right? Uh-huh. And I blacked in myself up and I got my black gloves. And and I was a little scared. I think that's part of what fed into my fear was because I couldn't hear your voice. Mm-hmm. I'm used to hearing your voice when we seen, even if it's just a little bit. So I couldn't hear you at all giving direction. So I knew these people were on their own or, or something. I don't even know if I calculated that much in my head. It's just that you weren't there to protect me. I didn't know you'd gone off to go right. change clothes. Right. <laughs> and as you're being held, you turn, and there I am in my black face. Oh, yeah. I opened and... up my eyes, and you were probably like two inches from my face. <laughs> and all I could see is eyes in this darkness. So, and then you grabbed me. Took you back to our little area, mm-hmm. and we had continued our scene, but it was with the much more of a malicious, uh, malevolent, malevolent, malevolent? I'm not sure what the word malevolent is. Malevolent spirit. Vicious. Sort of. Vicious <laughs> spirit sort of thing. Oh, my God. It ended up being a very neat scene. Mm-hmm. Fingernails raked down my back, and oh, yeah, it was very demonic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, all about, you know, have a little theater, have a little ritual yeah. in your scene. So I didn't get burnt at the stake. No. But I got... <laughs> Attacked by the demon. Yes. So, um, so <clears throat> oh, just a some hint. Other... Just a hint about that story, though. Huh. If you buy Sex Stories and Power Exchange, our, our second book, mm-hmm. you just got a hint as to which of those stories is true. <laughs> Big hints being hit in the head with a hammer. <laughs> then yes, it is a little hint. <laughs> so we're going to go into uh, one other scene. We certainly uh, one day we're going to have to actually have Pain Boy on the podcast yeah. and talk about the crucifixion scene, mm-hmm. which prior to Trist, I would say that is the single most impactful scene that I have watched. Yes. Something go on. And when I say a crucifixion, again, we'll talk about it when we actually have him on the show. It's literally, he was on a cross and he crucified him. Right, right. Nails um, through the hands. And he did a lot of research on that, blah, blah. though. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of research. He does it safely. He's, he's done it more than it. once, so clearly yeah. he's got it figured out. Yeah. But this uh, next one we're going to talk about, this is going to be a, a recording that we did with Tiffy just a few days ago. Um, 
I'm glad so, she got to talk on here. So she got to process. She had processed it in written form, mm-hmm. but I, I'm glad she got to talk on here and got to process it vocally as well, like we do with some stuff. Absolutely, and and you could see in the way as she was discussing it that she was still processing. Absolutely, which is great when you have a scene a week later, you're still processing, mm-hmm. right? That tells you it's one of those scenes that we're trying to target here. These impactful scenes. Yes. So, uh, disclaimers, so here we are for this scene. Oh, yes, um, disclaimers. This is a scene that has a lot of, uh, if, uh, a lot of racial uh, mm-hmm. play slurs aspects. And, a lot of racial yeah. slurs. You will hear the N-word in this interview. Um, <laughs> Different than the Paula Dean. Oh, <laughs> the whole Paula Dean issue that's I, going on right now. You're out of the loop yes. on that. <laughs> I, I, I think it's the same N-word. It is the same N-word. Okay. But it's not with cooking, apparently. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is that kind of an interview. If any of that stuff is offensive to you, you'll probably want to stop right now, mm-hmm. um, or jump forward until the end where we say what a bargain, and that'll be fine. <laughs> but it's one of those. It's an interview like that, and it's her experience with it, with a scene that she requested uh, that was a supercharged scene. Right. Well, let's let's let her talk about it. So Dawn, tonight we are sitting here in the. Mobile studio, which means we've found a place to squat with our <laughs> microphone. And uh, tonight we are going to talk to Tiffy, who had a, a slightly interesting scene at Twisted Trist uh, a week or two ago. And the way that, uh, Tiffy, thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. And I heard, and you said earlier that you actually listened to the podcast. Were you just uh, stoking my ego, or have you actually heard this thing before? I have heard the podcast. I don't listen to all of them, but I've, I definitely tune in. Um, to a few of them. That's fine. I don't listen to all of them either. <laughs> I, I must be a little narcissistic because I do try to listen to them. So um, we're sitting around the campfire one night and Ginger the puppy wants to come over and visit you. And I have somebody whisper in my ear that that's a bad idea. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what, what, whatever. And the puppy is coming toward you. And the person sitting next to you said, no, no, puppy, come to me. I want to see you. And I'm thinking, that's a little weird. And then I see something in the background, and I decide, oh, I get it. Let me grab the puppy and get the puppy out of there. And people approached, and then S was sitting there, and she stands up and throws off her blanket and points at you. Do you remember what she said? She said, I think she said, there's the nigger right there. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And at that point, from your perspective, what happens then? Um, well... Oh, we should mention you are an African-American woman? Yes. <laughs> That's probably an important fact. <laughs> well, this is a podcast, so no visuals, so right. yes. Any, any clues will help. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it was... I was still trying to wrap my head around everything that was happening, because when the puppy went away, I was like, well, why, why can't I see the puppy? And then I turn, <laughs> and I see this mob of people coming towards me. And at first it didn't really register what was happening, even though we'd kind of talked about it earlier in the day. And then the next thing I know, there's a chain around my neck, there's rope around my wrist, and I'm getting dragged off. And it was a mixture of feeling excited because something that I had been asking for was happening. But at the same time, I had one of those, oh shit, what did I sign up for? (laughs) (laughs) I bet. Yeah. So this wasn't one of the standard abduction scenes that happened at camp all weekend long? No, not at all. Um, this was actually kind of a, 
a fly by the seat of your pants scene that got put together in, um, I think for the people that were organizing it, they told me it was about three hours yeah. that they, they put the whole thing together and, um, it went from zero to 60 just like that. Yeah. Now, Thursday night is when you were joking about something like that, yes. right? Was it Thursday night? No, we haven't. It was something like that. We haven't quite got to that yet. No, <laughs> what no. that is. But, but you were joking about it, and I was, and I was sitting there going, you know who you're joking about that with, right? If you're really just joking, you better quantify that you're just joking because <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so for the people who haven't figured it out yet, I, I'll tell you my first in, in interaction with this whole scene was about three hours beforehand. We were talking with one of the um, people that are involved in, the, in Twisted, and uh, she said, oh, I'd love to sit here and talk with you, but I'm trying to find a lynch mob. And I'm thinking, what a strange thing to say. But we are <laughs> So let's go back to that night. These people are approaching. I, I, in my memory, and maybe this is just where I've watched Django recently. <laughs> I know the Jay Sion, I think. But they had torches. Yes. Mm-hmm. They had torches, they had rope, they had chains, and they were stalking towards me with, like, all I could... The only way I can describe it was just, like, this malicious intent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was... It was disorienting, to say the least. Um, and it took me until they had actually moved me to where the majority of my scene took place, which was um, under a tree, because it's a lynching, <laughs> um, uh, for me to kind of get my wits about me. But then from there, it just, things just continue to escalate. Mm -hmm. Um, you want me to just kind of explain yeah, everything that happened? All right. Sure. So, uh, after they, well, I should start off by saying when they were dragging me away, um, I was not prepared for mm -mm. how violent it was going to be. And I kept falling, and there was a point in time when I, like, just couldn't get up, and I was, couldn't breathe, and it was almost, uh, almost panicked for a minute until I got back on my feet. And then they drug me over to the tree. They strung me up. Um, at that point, my wrists and my ankles were tied together with this really awful rope. I don't know where they found this rope, um, but it was really awful. And... People are just yelling at me, and they're shouting at me, and they're, mm -hmm. they're um, you know, calling me names and jeers. And, and you know, amidst all of this, you know, in, in the darkness, it's the middle of the night, this cross just goes up in flames right in front of me. And someone starts singing, um, and my memory's a little fuzzy, so I'm pretty sure it's uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, um, you know, while this is all happening. And... At that moment, you know, before that person started singing, I was still kind of, you know, halfway between boarding on the, yay, this is, this is happening to me, you know, mm -hmm. in a smaller sense to the, you know, oh shit, there was a guy with a bullwhip there and people are yelling at me and, they might, you know, at that point they'd taken my pants away. Um, and as soon as I heard that song, it became really, uh, it became real. Mm -hmm. At that point, it wasn't, you know, just a scene anymore. It was, you know, something more than. And so, um, after the cross was lit, they, and there's, uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to describe it all, but, you know, the, the, the main thing that I think, um, 
or the main things that that affected me the most were after they had taken after they'd strung me up and and I was pretty much on my on, on my toes at that point. Um, they took me down, tossed me you know down this little incline. Um, people came over, proceeded to pee on me, continued to call me names. In between that, I had people shoveling dirt in my face, um, and so I'm you know coughing, I'm sputtering, and and crying and. And, you know, everything is just a mess. And then they pick me up, they drag me back up to the tree. I'm soaking wet. Um, you know, they're continuing to, to, you know, mock me. And one person, uh, um, you know, one lady in particular came and she stood right in front of me. And it went from being um, this chaotic scene to this really focused um, aggression and she was telling me how, you know, and, and she's a beautiful, you know, um, white woman. And, and she was saying, you know, how I'd never be as good as her and how, you know, I, I wish that, you know, I looked like her and how I wish that my hair was like hers. And, you know, in between each, you know, each of these statements, she's slapping me in the face. And I just, I think that was, that was probably my, my breaking point. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I was just praying to Jesus and, you know, screaming and yelling. And I knew in the back of my head, you know, kind of in the deep recesses of my mind that if I really wanted it to stop, I could make it stop. But I didn't, I didn't want it to, mm -hmm. because it was one of those things at that point when I, I kind of tipped over the edge completely that I knew that, and I felt like this is something that I needed to go through. Right. Um, so, you know, after they had me on the tree um, and they took me back down, someone said, let's drown her in the lake. And so get taken back down and walking towards the lake. The person in front of me um, has the rope because I had a rope and a chain around my neck. So the person in front of me was holding the rope. The person behind me had the chain. And so I'm walking and, and you know, walking awkwardly because my hands are still bound behind my back. And the person behind me keeps stopping. So I'm, I'm being pulled forward, and then every so often I just get yanked back. And every time that that happened, it just felt like, like someone was just, like, punching me in the soul. Because it was just so, it's going to sound funny to say, but it was just rude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that continued to happen. And, you know, I, and I'm barefoot. I'm walking down the path to, to the lake, which is, you know, covered in all of these tree stumps and... Um, you know, rocks, and so I'm going over that with all of my feet, and they finally get me down to the dock, and I'm surrounded by people, um, you know, with them threatening to toss me into the lake, and, um, you know, I'm, of course, terrified, because I think at that point that, you know, they're actually going to toss me into the lake. Right. Um, you know, I, I rationally don't think that they're going to drown me, but I think that they're actually going to toss me into the lake, um, which is terrifying in, a, in and of itself, because I'd been on the lake earlier, and there were stumps there, and, um, you know, it's just not... I didn't want to be in the lake. So, um, you know, after they had stood around me and, and they were jeering and something, and I, I'm assuming that someone probably decided that they couldn't throw me in the lake because, you know, the next person, someone said, well, let's drown her in the other lake, which was the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so they marched me, you know, turned around, marched me back up the hill. Same thing's happening with the rope and the chain. Um, at one point, you know, someone yells out, like, 
let's make her crawl. And so they unbind my wrist, and I'm trying to crawl. I'm getting dragged forward and pulled back. Uh, and that, I just, I was like, I can't. I, I, I screamed out, I, I can't do this. And I was referring to the crawling, so they, they got me back up and, and, you know, marched me back around. And, um, you know, for those who haven't been to, to um, Trist, the, you know, there's a, that giant gravel pathway that kind of marks in between the, the campsite. And so they walked me the long ways along the pathway barefoot, which mm. is covered in rocks, um, and, you know, got me up, up the deck to the pool and then just shoved me in. And so I'm in the pool, I'm crying, I'm like cowering in the pool, surrounded by all of these people, just shouting hateful things at me. And, and you know, it was, there was so much passion and conviction behind the way that they were doing it. It was, you know, like I, I just, I didn't even know what to do at that point. Like I was just completely overwhelmed. And so um, I think that lasted, I probably, that, that part probably didn't even last a good minute before I got pulled out the pool and then, you know, the scene was over and then I got surrounded by people coming up to me because of this entire lynch mob of, you know, over, at that point, I think it was at least 20 people that had um, come and watched and gathered. Um, you know, I only knew two of them. So I had all these people <laughs> introducing them themselves to me and saying, hi, my name is so-and-so, I peed on you. <laughs> <laughs> And only in this community. <laughs> yeah. And when you say now, as far as the things that were being uh, said to you, right? Just general humiliation. Was it race based? Oh, um, it was. It was everything. Um, it was mostly race based. So you know, there was a lot of um, niggers and and um, darky and and things like that. Um, it was actually so funny that <laughs> uh, of all the things that got said when I was walking up the path to the pool, um, someone said, I think they said, you know, you know, make that fat nigger walk, like take the long way. And in my head, the only thing I could think of was, well, that went a little far. You need to call me fat. <laughs> Too. Right, which it was fine. It, you know, it wasn't like a, a a bad thing, but you know, of all the things that happened, like that was the one thing that I was like, oh, that hit me right in the feels. <laughs> wow. So uh -oh. very interesting. As you're telling the story, I can see that you still have an emotional yeah. connection to it, and. I read your accounting of this earlier, and I had an emotional attachment to mm -hmm. that. Then Dawn, just before this interview, reads it, and it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's very, if nothing else, we must say it's a very powerful, very powerful scene. Yeah. Obviously for you, for also for the people around. I would, you know, the people involved in it, the people that are not involved Absolutely. in it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as Dawn said, and we'll talk a little bit about people who, the echo of it brought them to another place right so then so was it just okay at that point we're in the pool everybody's hi nice to meet you i pissed on you sort of thing how did you sleep that night um i actually slept just fine um when i got out the pool um i was like okay i need a shower <laughs> went back to the camp um someone thankfully brought me my pants um <laughs> 
And I went, I took a shower, went back, and I actually went and um, spotted one of my friends who was doing a self-suspension. Um, because at that point, you know, usually, even after a heavy scene, I, I, you know, my inclination is to, you know, get up, move, continue on, and then I process later. Um, and so this was, you know, like that times 10. So, you know, the next morning, um, I still was kind of working through it. I was like, kind of feeling like a rock star. I was like, yeah, I just got sure. lynched. Sure. <laughs> Kept trying to get people to do stuff to me with the excuse of, I got lynched last night, <laughs> which, you know, none of them, used, none of them took that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I made a little noose that I was flagging throughout camp and, you know, it was really just, uh, I was still on the high point of, of, you know, having done uh, a scene that was that intense. And it wasn't until later on that evening, um, you know, when we were, when we were around the fire that things really started to all come together. Uh, and so, you know, I don't want to get ahead, but do you want me to talk about that night or? Yeah, yeah, let's okay. jump over. That's great. That's great. Jump to it. Uh, so that night, which would be Saturday night at this point, mm -hmm. um, I was part of, you know, our, our campsite had a, a large drum circle and then I was, um, I'm the one with the calling drum, and so I was walking around the fire, I was, um, you know, beating the drum, and I really respond to music, and so for me, it was, it was a way to, um, you know, to not only connect with the rest of the tribe, but to um, meditate and reflect on my scene as I was going around, and so, um, you know, each time that I hit the drum, it had a very... Um, significant impact on you know my my energy at that time and it was just kind of building and building and building um and you know after I'd, I'd gone around the fire a couple of times um when I finally went back up to the drum circle um one of the people that was involved in my lynching came up to me and he said do you want to burn this and you know I thinking in my head, like, what, what, do I want to burn what? And he had the cross that was burning in front of me in his hands, and, you know, immediately my reaction was, yes. Yes. And so, handed him the drum, took the cross, and I walked down to the fire. And I think I was, I might have been the last person to, to toss something in the fire at that point, because um, I got a bunch of cheers when everybody saw that I had that cross. <laughs> And I just lifted it in, and I just tossed it in the fire. And at that point, I don't think that I had realized um, the, the significance of what that scene had done and, you know, what it had ended up meaning. Because you know, I like to do crazy things, you know. That's just a thing that I like to do. And so um, to go to that point and you know, something that has to do with my identity and, you know, my background. There was so much that I hadn't even ever dealt with so far as, um, you know, how I grew up and things like that, that when I, you know, chucked that cross into the fire, it was like releasing all of that, that negativity um, from me and just being able to, to open up um, you know, even after that was done, for like the next couple of days, I just had 
um, you know, this really open, like, it was almost like I could feel, feel the hole in, you know, in the center of my chest mm. that had been opened up as a result of that. And, um, you know, I, I did a hook pull later that evening, and that just, I did actually did a hook pull on the tree that I got lynched on. <laughs> <laughs> and that just further solidified it. And um, I think the most amazing thing for me with that scene was the fact that I'd done something so completely taboo and, um, you know, out there, and that not only had the community rallied around and provided that, but afterwards there was all of the acceptance and, and, you know, none of the, um, you know, the judging or anything like that, Mm -hmm. that I thought Mm -hmm. there would be, even from the people that didn't watch. Right. Yeah. So have you, you've got no negative feedback? No, actually none whatsoever. I've had so many people, um, you know, people that, that weren't even there that just read my account of the tale, (laughs) um, that, that have messaged me and shared their own stories and, and, you know, let me know how it impacted them. And, um, there are even a people, a couple of people at camp that just came up to me just wanting to process, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. people that had watched, people that hadn't watched. Um, and it's really opened up a lot of conversation and, um, just, I think, you know, this is the type of thing that needs to happen every once in a while. Um, it, and I, I don't, forgive, forgive me because I haven't reread <laughs> some of my posts because they still kind of affect me. But, um, you know, I don't know if I said this in my post or if I was just telling someone. But, you know, when we have scenes like this that really touch, you know, our historical background as, you know, as human beings, mm-hmm. it, it kind of brings a touch of reality to what it is that we do in the community because it's really easy to, you know, feel safe and warm and, and protected in our community because there is a lot of that because we do have to shelter ourselves from, you know, all of the, the persecution and, and, you know, misjudgments that we have to deal with in general. Um, but when we bring that in, it's like, you know, hey, there is also real world. There are also, you know, real world issues and it's okay to, um, to address them and to be human. Wow. So I got a couple of questions and I don't know where to start. <laughs> so because I totally get what you're saying and, and I remember in your post, because, you know, Dan and I have done things like that, that before too. I don't know if they were that intense. <laughs> um, so does something like that, and I already know the answer because I read your post, make you wet and horny? Um. At the time. At the time, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> now I'm starting to eroticize it a little mm-hmm. bit, but at the time, no. And and that I think that, for me, was one of the ways that I really knew that, like, shit got real. Right. Because I, I, even the next day, like, I just couldn't even, there was no way I could eroticize it. Right. At all. Right. So it yeah. takes a little bit of time before that exactly. before that kicks in. So, exactly. So, and I find it really interesting that on your post and in your telling of it, that you skipped something. What did I skip? And being on the outside, I remember this because when I heard it, because I heard the whole thing, I was sitting in the camp dealing with some people that were going through their issues <laughs> as they were hearing it, and um, so we could hear it all through the camp. But um, something happened at the end of that scene that I went, aha, I know who came up with that idea. 
So, and it was two people that you really trusted oh, yeah. in, in what was going on. Absolutely. And what it was was the laughter. So yeah. after they got you out of the water, after and I, I could tell that's what was going on because I was kind of near the pool. You know, they got you out. Laughter was involved. Yeah. And, as soon and, as I got out. Yes. And that, because I was thinking, oh, my God, when she gets out of the water, we're going to have to put her back together. You know, she's just yeah. going to be broken, and, and during some scenes that happened, you yeah, know, and, and, and your tribe would have rallied around you and put you back together, and, you know, things would have been okay. And um, I was confident in that. That's why I was breathing through the scene as I heard <laughs> what was going on, and I heard the voices. So, but the laughter really got to me, yeah. and I was like, you know what, they really love her, because they took that energy of laughter and broke all that intensity. Yeah. So. And that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was, um, you know, both on Friday night after I got out of the pool and then Saturday night after I burnt the cross, um, you know, as soon as I got out of the pool, um, I forget, someone had, someone said something to me and I, and I don't remember what it was, but I just, all I could do was laugh. Mm -hmm. So all I could do was laugh. Um, and, you know, didn't, of course, the, the, you know, hi, my name is so-and-so, I peed on you. Right. <laughs> and I had so many people coming up to me, and you're right, it was all of that, that energy mm -hmm. had, had shifted right. its purpose. And so it was just a giant circle full of love that was directed at me. And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I didn't need that putting together, because it was like, mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm starting to, starting to break, okay. Love. Yes. And, you know, we'll put her back together. Do you, are you actually a fan of Jesus? Um, Jesus and I are seeing other people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you mentioned earlier you had shouted out for Jesus, and I didn't know if that was just, it felt right at the time. You or know you what like... it is? Um, I actually, from preschool through 12th grade, was went to a private Lutheran school. I was very devout Christian. I, you know, went to chapel, went to Bible study, um, did all of that, and then, you know, got to a point where I was just, like, I, 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 I didn't see what I was getting out of that, and at that point, it was one of those things where I'd just been doing it since I was a child, so it was normal, not necessarily something that I actually believed in, so... That's why I tell people me and Jesus are seeing other people right now. Um, but, you know, that was my natural inclination was mm -hmm. to call out to to God. And, and, you know, of course he didn't save me, but. <laughs> Your friends had other intent. Exactly. <laughs> no, you, Jesus, I'm watching this. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found, you, we talk about, and this is one of the more, when, in a powerful scene, and you had brought up that this opened a hole. Yeah. Have you purposefully decided how you're going to fill that hole? Have you said, I've got to, you know, this, this hole is here. Now, what am I, am I just going to let it, like a scab, cover itself right. back up? Or am I going to have some intent upon this new, this moment where my, my, my viewpoint's shifted? Right. And have look for something specific to fill that hole? Well, at first, I was... Um just kind of you know, taking solace in that feeling um, and, and, you know, just purposefully keeping everything out because mm -hmm. I wanted to to experience that with, you know, without any interruptions. And so, you know, after that, 
you know, just as a result of everything that happened, um, it's really shifted my perception of, um, you know, how I am, so my insecurities. And so, you know, the conscious choice has been I'm only going to fill that that hole um, or, or allow it to be filled with, um, you know, things that are positive, things that are going to um, benefit me and benefit the people around me in a positive way. Um, and, you know, it's even gone to, I mean, there, there are things that I've done since, um, you know, since that weekend that, you know, I probably would have been, like, too nervous to do before or, you know, would have been, had, like, this giant fear of rejection or being judged or something, and I'm just like, you know what? I got lynched. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been very empowering, and then, you know, each time that I take that step, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of picking up little, little grains of sand of, um, you know, to fill that with, with more power and with more energy, and and then that's something that I can exude to other people. Mm-hmm. All right. So you said uh, um, people have been coming to you. You haven't faced any negativity yet. Yeah. And um, I find it interesting that even the people that I was kind of like hugging and holding hands and everything as they were processing stuff as they were listening to right. the scene, you know, none of them had anything negative to say about the scene yeah. or about you. It was stuff that they were processing from their background, from exactly. their family connections, you know, from from things like that, you know, and just because we could hear what we perceived. I mean, these people that did the lynch mob really got into role. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were hearing voices that we knew saying these hurtful, hateful things. Exactly. You know, and it was really touching the heart. You know, how could our friends really say that? Oh, that's right. They love her. They're giving her this right. because she asked for it. You know, I'm really having to process it. But I know you've also been contacted since then. You know, how are you dealing? How are you? Are you helping others deal with their stuff or just listening? Um, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot harder to do it you know, in texts when you're talking about a message on, on that life. Right. Um, and so, you know, in that instance, I'm usually just, I'm, I'm providing what I can so far as, you know, um, comfort and a, the fact that I'm okay. And then, you know, right. appreciating them sharing, um, their story with me. But then, you know, for the people that come up to me, you know, I, I really, um, you know, and I said this earlier, I'm very humbled by, you know, the people coming up to me, um, sharing their stories with me, and then, you know, from there, we, we have a dialogue about, um, you know, all these different issues, and, you know, sometimes it has to do with people, and, and you know, their their backgrounds, their family right. backgrounds, people that are dealing with issues now within their own immediate family, um, and so it's, 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 it's been, you know, a little bit of both. I, I, I think in helping other people process and in talking to them, mm-hmm. um, I <laughs> um, it really helps me process too. Good, good. Yeah, and I think one of the the things that um, kind of was was the most interesting to me was, you know, someone said, you know, if I were to like see this in person. Would, would I be able to stop it happening? You know, would I, would I, right. you know, if this was really happening in front of me, because, you know, no one tried to, to stop the scene or anything like that. Um, and, you know, 
obviously something that we're not going to have a real lynch mob at Tris, so that will be why, but, you know, (laughs) if you really did see something that was that, um, you know, that appalling, that shocking, that, that wrong happening in front of you, would you be able to say something? And, you know, um, her response to her own question was, you know, well, of course I would. And it, it, for this individual, at least, you know, she said it was empowering to her mm-hmm. that, um, you know, she had that, that reaffirmation for herself that, you know, yes, I do have the strength to, you know, stand up against an injustice that I see it happening. That would take a lot of strength because yeah. even with that being a scene, there was a lot of energy there that, yeah. I mean, the guy with the bullwhip, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the torches, just the anger and yeah. the, all of that, that would take a lot to step up in front of and say something. Yeah. So, wow. I will say that uh, I took, I observed the scene for a little while. Um, I observed the person with the bullwhip and the person's a, um, had I not known who that person was, and I can now let's see who they are, <laughs> but they certainly are uh, a master of the bullwhip. I mean, I, yeah. so that helped me separate the fact that because as standing on the knoll, watching the scene, and I got to watch the cross go up in flames. Mm-hmm. And part of me, from a perspective of somebody who does scenes, part of me was impressed with the, nobody, you know, set this up two weeks ago. With, right. Oh, let's do this, then do this. It flowed, so from a perspective of, of somebody who runs scenes, for, for almost, I want to say theater, it was really effective, very yeah. powerfully done. So much so that people... A lot of people, as Don mentioned, could not separate. And I had yeah. that same, the malicious intent, which is which what you inset yeah. to make the scene powerful. Um, and it was, I, I, I've watched a person be crucified. And this is the only thing that's come close to that. And that might this might be winning. <laughs> to say that's the level of, um, and it's so fun to say, you know, 90% of the BDSM scenes I see are about spanking and fun, yeah. and they hurt, and people might cry a little at the end sometimes, but sometimes they laugh through it, right? Right to see you've put yourself in a place where you've said, this is the scene that I want, right? and it's going to be, you know, and I understand that feeling of I'm a rock star, because yeah. it was like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like I want to get a T-shirt. I survived the lynch mob. What else you got, bitches? <laughs> now, now, did it help to hear two voices? Did you even process that there was two voices in the crowd that you knew and trusted? Um, did that help or not? Honestly, there was there was a point where I every everybody just sounded the same. Yeah. It, all yeah. I heard was anger. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so I, I think that you know, going off what Deanne said. Um, you know, in the movie industry, they talk about the concept of safe fear, and that's why we like to go see scary movies, because even though they're absolutely horrifying, you know, we're safe in our seats. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that was kind of the thing that was going on, was that, you know, even though there was all of this chaos happening, um, you know, there's still people like the person with the bull up, I was like, in, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, well, I know he knows what he's doing. Right, right, so, right. you know, I'm not going to get flayed open. Um, and so there was there was some comfort in that. And, you know, just having that in the back of my head, knowing that the people that are doing this know what they're doing and that I'm not actually going to, 
you know, end up dying at the end of the scene. Right. But do you get the moments, because I've had these moments, so I want to ask, of where you think, yes, they absolutely know what they're doing, but they're still human and something could happen. Mm -hmm. And you get that touch of fear as yeah. well. I mean, you've got the chain around your neck, and I heard you saying you couldn't breathe. Yeah, when they're now, driving my, away. Yeah, now in my head I'm going, yes, you can breathe, because you're saying you can't breathe. So... Yeah. <laughs> But I understand the fear that yeah. made you say that, you know, yeah. things like that. So, you know, you've got the chain, you've got the rope, you've got the strung yeah. up in a tree, the water, the, you know, so much potential. So yeah. do you get that, uh, that, that fear of, oh, yeah. God, what if? <laughs> <laughs> no, that happened um, at, at that moment that you just mentioned because I, like, I was getting pulled. This, like, I'm, I was sitting facing one direction and I'm getting pulled from the other direction and I like the ground was slippery and I had flip-flops on and I just could not get up and people were like continue to pull on my neck and, and so I got you know really scared because I'm like I'm like I I don't know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna like pass out um, and then when I was you know at the at the lake um you know I was afraid that even if they decide that even if they hadn't planned to push me in, that I was going to fall in. Right. And then I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do? I fall in. My hands are bound together. I'm going to they're going to have to pull me out of the lake by the rope on my neck. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I definitely, um, you know, those two, I, I, and it happened a couple times to a lesser extent, you know, throughout the scene. But those two moments were like, hmm. well, what if shit really hits the fan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other than being lynched, I understand you're involved in Ohio bootlegs. I so am. You guys have something coming up with that. We do. Um, on August 24th, uh, we are going to be having a cigar, bourbon, and boots night um, as a fundraiser for Get Your Black On. Um, and we're, we're going to have an event page up for that soon. Um, it's going to be $25 a person, um, and it is a limited number because there's only so many people that we can have in, <laughs> in, in the home. Um, but it should be a really good event. Um, it's uh, kind of a, a way for us as boot blacks to, to get out and get to meet people, but then also relax and have a good service night. Are we in time for that? I'm not sure. Oh, what I night know. is August 27th? 24th. 24th. Before we put this on, <laughs> I want to make sure we get our, our uh, reservations in before we put this on the air so we can go. <laughs> <laughs> if that works. So, Tiffy, you've uh, posted about this two separate posts yes. that help process as well. And I see you've got a, a, a good number of responses to it. Um, how can people find out, how can people find that post? Um, if you um, look me up on FetLife, uh, Tiffy Nicole, if you want, you can friend me, send me a message. Um, both of those posts are underneath my journal, and they're the um, most recent two. Uh, read part one before you read part two. Absolutely. So it won't make sense. <laughs> And both are very good to read because yes. one is about the scene, one's about the the effect of the right. scene to me. Mm -hmm. My, so I think they're both worth reading. Yeah. And and I purposely split it up that way because after I, you know, talked about the scene, I was like, okay, I need a moment, Let me take mm -hmm. a day, and then I was able to to write about the processing. Okay, yeah. one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Could you see yourself being on the other side of this scene? Uh, you know, I thought about that. And I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if I would, if I would have it in me to, you know, be able to, to pull that type of um, malice and, and project it at another person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd be one of the people that 
would be completely okay and happy that they had that scene, but you know, I don't know if I would be able to to do that. Yeah, yeah. I I can totally relate. I would be the the one in that movie with the, the gladiator movie. I'm the one guy who sneaks in with a little bit of water and just <laughs> have some water. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffy, yeah. thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Fantastic. I appreciate your openness and your ability to um, to share this with us. I very much appreciate that. And and the fact that you managed to stay focused while the dog is still not tired of biting my toes. <laughs> Ow, fucker! Welcome to... Ah, uh, name it. Well, fuck it. <laughs> Why start editing now? Beyond the Love is the brand new yearly event supporting the polyamorous lifestyle. Classes and workshop, social spaces and fun. We are building a space that allows for people who are interacting in all kinds of polyamory to come and explore the lifestyle. More than just an event, this is a celebration of the polyamorous relationship in its many forms. Early bird tickets start at only $69. I like that number, $69. What, what a, a bargain. bargain. <laughs> Beyondthelove.org to find out more. Bye, dog. Bye, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>